Hey, OZ Pack, it's your boy Z Dog MD. Welcome to uh, AKA Dr. Zubin Nemanja. If you are not nasty, welcome to the show. It's nightly COVID rounds, which I don't do every night. So, kind of nightly COVID rounds. Come on in, come on in, come in, and let me pull up your comments here. I'm going live using the studio, which means I'm pushing a bunch of buttons at once, and I don't know if any of them work. Ah, there, it does work. Sweet. All right, check it out. Let's talk about this thing in a rational way, because I think we've lost our minds. I've been saying this kind of from the beginning, so I'm nothing if not kind of consistent. Believe me, I went through a phase where I started to actually believe what I was seeing in the media and all that and saying, you know, we're all gonna die. Uh, if we believe Imperial College of London projections, a million to two million Americans are going to die like dogs, we're gonna destroy our healthcare system, and we better do everything we can, right? Well. We pretty much missed the boat on doing everything we can because we didn't test early. If we had done aggressive testing and contact tracing very, very early, that would have been a different case. But now the thing has been replicating, it's been spreading in the community. If you actually do what they did in Germany, in a town in Germany where they actually tested for antibodies that people develop when they've been exposed to the virus already and may not even know it, in, a, in one town they tested a kind of a random sampling of the population, about 15% of everybody there had been exposed, had already gotten the virus, the coronavirus, and fought it off and were generally okay. So it's quite prevalent, at least in Germany. Now, I suspect that that's the case in many parts of this country as well. And so the idea then that We've now taken quite aggressive measures. In California, everything's been shut down for quite a while. Schools have been closed. They're not opening until the next school year at the earliest. We've spun down the economy, spun up as much as we can working from home for people who can, but undoubtedly it's been a pretty drastic situation, which has definitely affected not just the economy, but the education of our children, the safety of people at home. So people who are normally not at home are now at home, like children, people in abusive relationships, and so you're getting all of that happening. And yet, our weekly death rate in this country has actually dropped. And why is that? Because less people are driving and they're dying less on the roads, among other things that are happening. So the question is, We've net reduced the number of deaths just by staying home. The number of deaths in the country from COVID-19, they're still unacceptably high, but they are not an apocalypse or a catastrophe, right? And yet, and yet, and yet, we catastrophize this thing, especially in the media, especially in the medical community. Now, this is where people are gonna really hate me, because a lot of the people who follow this channel across our platforms are medical people. Ask yourself deep down, are we misunderstanding the basics of absolute risk? Yes, we should be social distancing. Yes, we should have been more aggressive early on, right? Yes, we ought to be figuring out what are the best antivirals and working on a vaccine, but that vaccine is not 12 to 18 months away, guys. Look at the interview I did with Paul Offit. If you want a safe and effective vaccine, it's just simply not unless we miraculously invent some new technology in the meantime, which means what people don't understand is even with social distancing and all this other stuff, and don't even get me started on cloth masks. I don't know when the CDC lost its mind, but I suspect it was somewhere early in the process, judging by how 
bumbled this thing has been. And it's not just CDC. It's every sort of level of leadership in this country. We have screwed it up, right? And so... <clears throat> In, in, this, in the setting of this, even with all this aggressive measures, what many people don't understand is flattening the curve simply means not allowing a peak that overwhelms the healthcare system like we think it's doing in New York City. Although even there, right, we're starting to see a leveling off. And they, they were a little late to the social distancing bandwagon. The idea is you don't overwhelm the hospitals, but what people don't seem to recognize, especially in the public, is that the area under the curve of people who get infected is the same. Everybody who would have gotten the disease early eventually gets the disease, unless you have a miracle like a vaccine or effective treatments that can treat the disease, but pretty much everyone ends up getting infected, unless you live in a cave or a bubble, right? So this idea that we're somehow, you know, um, doing something super dramatic by, by flattening the curve. Yes, we are keeping infections under the line, which is very important, under the line of what our capacity is to actually care for them in the ICU, right? Which by the way, we need to look carefully at how we're doing that, which we'll talk about, because maybe we're using too many ventilators, maybe we're keeping people on the ventilator too long, maybe we're creating a problem where we are torturing people on ventilators in the ICU because we're not using our typical protocols for managing ICU delirium, for spontaneous awakening and spontaneous breathing trials, which I talked about with Dr. Wes Ely on the show. Definitely check out that interview. We'll be captioning it and putting it out native on Facebook in the next couple of days. It's already there, but if you want the captioned version, stay tuned. So there's all this stuff we can do to actually improve outcomes in the hospital, but remember, even with all the social distancing, people are gonna get infected. So here's the question. What is the, what is the other side of these interminable aggressive measures? Now, in other words, without any exit strategy, without a plan to actually get people back to work, particular, particularly who are immune, which you can test for with antibody testing, particularly younger people who are less at risk, not zero risk, but yes, less at risk. By the way, by the way, let's talk about risk for a second. Why is it that we are willing to risk our lives getting in a car every day with a vastly higher chance of dying, but we're willing to absolutely go batshit crazy apocalypse crazy for a virus that probably kills, if the mortality figures, if you actually have the number of infected people like they do in Germany, it's like 0.5%, right? So it's much worse than a regular flu, but it's still in an absolute sense, a tiny risk, unless you're in a high risk group, you're willing to drive to work every day. We've dropped car accidents so much, but that, and that that amount of dead people is the risk we are normally willing to take to live in the world, to have a vibrant functioning economy, to educate our children, right? But here's what's actually gone down. And I think my own tribe of medical people, and, and by the way, you guys think I'm just off the handle here. Every smart doctor that I have spoken to on the record and off the record, feels as I do, which is the medical system, which already costs 50% of our GDP. If you count actual medical spending, the social security component that goes to medical bills, unpaid caregivers at home, and other expenses related to healthcare, 50% of our GDP, in, in, in many estimates, <laughs> 
We already are an albatross around the economy. We're already an albatross around wages. And most of what we do in medicine, if we're really being honest with ourselves, doesn't actually work. If you actually were to study it, it doesn't help patients. So here's a, here's a little secret. We're shutting the economy down on behalf of a healthcare system, which by the way, is, is definitely suffering. Suffering from moral injury, suffering from being on the front lines exposed to a virus, whether you're, you're at risk or not. You're asked to come in and see patients without prote personal protective equipment, and that's a failure of leadership at every single level. The people are supposed to protect us, right? So that is just a piece of it. These are, these are actual heroes, and people call them heroes so they can excuse themselves from the fact that they're doing shit, jack shit, to protect them. So that being said, this medical industrial complex has the rest of the country in a vice grip saying, please don't overwhelm our system, so shut everything down. And they are now, they've become insane about it. So they're talking about, go, oh, you're gonna get arrested if you don't wear a mask in certain parts of Texas. You can't go jogging in Chicago without getting a ticket. Have we lost our goddamn minds, people? Just be rational for a second, seriously. The social distancing measures, even that we've done in California, have bent the curve. So if the goal is to bend the curve and slow the infection, smear them over a period of time, you can do that without going absolutely nuts. You gotta start getting people back to work. Why? Because shit is rotting on the vines in our farms. We're wasting tons and tons of food because we've disrupted our supply chain. Our children are not getting educated right now, guys. I don't care what kind of homeschooling you think you're doing. They need to be with other kids socially adjusting. If you think we, we've already damaged our children by over-helicoptering them, by keeping them at home, by over-parenting them, by not letting them take risks, by not letting them learn how to play with other children, by, by putting them in front of screens that they use to weaponize their normal childhood bullying, we've already done that. Now what we've done is we've cranked that to 12. And all under the auspices of a healthcare system saying, uh-uh, uh, tisk, 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 you better destroy the rest of the country so that we don't F up this one piece of it. Come on, guys. Let's be really, really honest with ourselves. Can I be really frank for a second? We always talk about how American healthcare has the worst outcomes for the most money. Why is that? Is it because we don't have good doctors? Nope. Is it because we don't have good nurses? Nope. Is it because we don't have good technology? Nope. Is it because we don't do a lot of care? Nope, we do a lot of care. We do a lot more care than the rest of the world. But then look at the outcomes in say Europe or the rest of the developed world and see how much better they are. And then wonder, why is that? If you're being honest, it's, be it's not because they have better healthcare. It's not because they have better access to healthcare. It's because they do less healthcare. It's because they are forced to ration healthcare, as we do in this country, but it's different. They're forced to ration healthcare, which means they're forced to ration something that doesn't often work, that makes people worse. And it sucks money from the parts of spending or of our economy that actually would help people. Job development, education, food security, stopping the cycle of physical and sexual and mental abuse, 
These are the things that we should be spending our hard-earned money on in this country. Instead, we pour it into a sinking morass, a black hole, a singularity beyond which nothing escapes called healthcare. And now COVID comes along. So what do we do? We weaponize our healthcare system even more to fight this threat, which if you look at it in the grand statistics of death in this country, it is a blip. Now, again, I'm losing my mind a little bit here, but I mean every flippin' word I say, you guys. And I'm a doctor. I was trained in this system. I take care of patients in this system. This is truly what I believe. Stay away from healthcare if you wanna live a long and healthy life. Work on your diet and your nutrition and your mental health and your connections. Sleep more, walk more, connect more. That's what we need to do. But instead, this is what we do. Now, here is a proposal that I have, you guys. And that's something Jody Zachary says in the live comments, taking the healthcare decisions out of healthcare practitioners' hands. Right, so when healthcare is a business, what do you do? You hire a bunch of administrators to make it more of a business, which means more volume, more procedures, more stuff done to people. If we actually got paid based on the real outcomes we generate, we would do less to people, we'd spend more time connecting with them, we'd use technology that actually helped us do that instead of technology that helps us bill, and we would transform our healthcare system into Health 3.0. Here's the study I wanna do. These last few weeks, we've shut down the economy. That includes the healthcare economy, because apart from ICUs and all that, elective procedures have stopped, so everything we do to people has stopped doctor's visits have gone telehealth, so there's no more like having to bill for actually touching a patient, right? So all this stuff has changed. If you do a study, which we better fricking do, where we look at the outcomes of patients, the, the money spent, and the number, the deaths, the mortalities, the new diabetes, whatever you wanna measure, look at that during this period of shutdown. And I bet you'll see something shocking. You will see exactly what we saw in the study that followed patients when the biggest cardiology conference around went into gear. So this cardiology conference happens and all the attending cardiologists show up to the conference, which means elective procedures, other unnecessary procedures aren't done because it's just a few covering docs. And the outcomes got better. <laughs> they got better. Get rid of the cardiologist, the outcomes got better. What does that tell you? about the fundamental flaw in what we do in this country. We can talk about how do we pay for healthcare? How do we improve access? What we ought to be talking about is how do we get the money out of healthcare and move it to, to the rest of, to, to, to wages, to education, to job development, to criminal uh, rehabilitation, uh, that kind of thing, research. That's where it ought to be. It shouldn't be with us anymore. We should be doing what we do really well. That those parts of medicine that we do really well, all right? We should optimize that. And I bet if you look at that data, people got better during this period health-wise, except for people, of course, who again are at the lowest end of the socioeconomic spectrum who have terrible access, right? Why is that? Because we've screwed up the social determinants. And here's the worst part. People are like, well, so how can the healthcare system address the social determinants of health? How are we gonna fix? You want it? Spend more money through our broken healthcare system to address a problem you should have fixed outside of healthcare? Really? Really, you want to do that? Have we lost our minds, guys? 
We've lost our minds. I was talking to somebody today who's a very smart person and a kind of thought leader in this space, and we were getting so upset on just on the phone talking about this, about how crazy, it's like we live in an insane world where the answers are staring at us. No one can talk about them. Why? Because it's $3.2 trillion on the conservative end that it stands to be sloshed around. And when you have that many vested interests, I'm talking about pharmaceuticals, I'm talking about pharmacy benefit managers, I'm talking about big health systems, I'm talking about specialty care, I'm talking about primary care. Everybody has their livelihood invested in this broken ass system and they don't want it to change and yet they're suffering moral injury. Why? Because they know deep down, we know we're not doing good or we're not allowed to do good with the incentives that we have, yet we have to obey the incentives because otherwise we don't eat, we don't pay our loans off, right? So this COVID thing is our chance to take a defibrillator to the entire effing system and shock it back into, into a flat line and then into a rhythm that isn't AFib, right? Because that's what our system's in now, rapid, irregularly irregular, atrial fibrillation with no hope of cardioversion without a dramatic event. And here's our dramatic event. <sighs> All right, let's read a couple comments. Um, Risa Dubois, Health 3.0, loading, damn straight. Um, All right, listen, there's a lot of comments. Let me say a couple things here. I have gotten a thousand messages about these things that are circulating on the internet around treatment of this thing, okay? One of them is uh, ER critical care doc named Cameron who has been talking about, are we doing this wrong? Should we be ventilating these patients so much or should we be providing other forms of oxygenation because this behaves more like an isolated uh, low oxygen state like high altitude pulmonary edema. And when I watched his video at first, I thought it was incoherent and I didn't, I just didn't understand what the hell he was trying to say. Then I realized he had just come off a shift and was trying to explain what he's seeing, which is ventilators, which help you when your lungs are very stiff, you can't move carbon dioxide, et cetera, are not your first choice because they can inflict damage of their own, including being sedated and paralyzed in an ICU and developing all the complications that come from that, the immobility, et cetera. But it, this is a, an oxygen problem. And the lungs are quite flexible still in this disease. We're learning, we're learning, we're learning. The thing is like three, four months old, we're still learning. But that's something that I think we should take very seriously. Now here's something we shouldn't take that seriously. This piece that's been circulating by somebody who isn't a doctor, who's like, look, there was this tiny study in this mechanical engineering journal or something that says heme is dis you know heme iron is displaced with the binding of uh, coronavirus to hemoglobin, et cetera. Okay, I read that thing. 30% of it reads like some kooky conspiracy theory. The other 30% of it misapplies the science and overgeneralizes, and the conclusion is just insane. So let the scientists continue to figure this out. We don't really know. It's worth exploring everything, but don't put stock in shit you read on the internet, all right? And don't even listen to me. Speaking of people you shouldn't listen to, never, 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 I'm gonna say it one more time, Never listen to a chiropractor or a naturopath when it comes to anything other than what it is they do well. And with a chiropractor, that's musculoskeletal stuff. They have no business talking about how to fight 
COVID by giving quinine tonic water and vitamin supplements and zinc and this and that. It's abject horse shit, you guys. People send me this, what do you think of this doctor? Okay, A, please don't use the word doctor when you're talking about someone who's out of their scope of practice. Doctor is fine when you're in your scope of practice because doctor is from the Latin docere, which means to teach. Somebody practicing out of their scope of practice is not teaching, they are committing malpractice. Do not listen to a chiropractor about how to prevent a viral or treat a viral illness unless they're saying, go see your allopathic physician, period. And I have a lot of friends who are chiropractors. There are actually evidence-based chiropractors and I support them and they work in teams with doctors and nurses and physical therapists and occupational therapists. The people you see on the internet, just watch how they talk. Okay guys, here's the thing. You need to share this video right now because this is, if you wanna protect yourself against COVID, you better take these supplements. By the way, check out my website where I sell these supplements. F off, dude. All right, that's one thing. We talked about the heme thing. We talked about the high altitude pulmonary uh, edema thing. The whole chloroquine thing and all that, you gotta study it, all right? The president is not a peer-reviewed source, as I said in our Metamoji piece, which if you haven't seen, you'll wanna check that out. It's kind of funny. We gotta laugh at this shit too, guys. I know it's serious, but you know what? Life is fucking serious. Let's be honest. Life is hard. There's risk every day. This is not the end of the world, but it will be if we continue to treat it like it is, because you know what? We are destroying the fabric of society. We are. There's, when I see food rotting in the fields, it, it's like being stabbed to someone whose family came from India. It's literally like being stabbed. I would rather see people die in the ICU than see hundreds of thousands of tons of food rotting that could be going to save hundreds of thousands of lives and to feed people from the sweat and the labor of these farmers who are gonna be out of business because the healthcare system says, tsk, 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 shut everything down forever. It's time we started looking at what is a rational response? There are rational responses. Social distancing, the things we've done, they are rational in this short run, but we need an exit strategy. Continue to work on the other stuff. Continue to science the crap out of this disease so that we can treat it better. Continue to understand that we cause harm in the hospital. I would say actually more often than we help. I'm gonna go on record and say that until we get it right, which means we gotta elevate our quality science to an art and we have to listen to people who know what they're talking about when it comes to this. And it ain't me, I'm talking about people at IHI and other people who make their careers and their passion and their calling about improving safety in our most dangerous places, which are hospitals. So the best way to survive COVID is stay out of the hospital, which means, you know, use your common sense. By the way, again, Listen to what the authorities are telling you. Don't disobey people, right? Because there's a reason behind their madness usually, and you can quibble with it, but don't go out there going, I'm just gonna go cough on people, or I'm not gonna socially distance, or if I'm mandated to wear a mask, I'm not gonna do it. Please don't do that. That's just dumb, and you're being a dick. Um, all right, that's really, that's really what I wanna say. The other thing I wanna say is I think there's a ton of asymptomatic uh, COVID, low grade that people are just developing immunity. I do think there is something to developing community immunity and, co and herd immunity that is slowed by our squeezing of the um, 
social distancing stuff. So it, it's gonna slow the general development of immunity. But the thing is you will save lives that way because if you overwhelm the healthcare system at once, it means people who are having heart attacks, people who are having strokes, people who are doing these other things are not going to get the care they need in those emergent situations because that's when our care actually works. So that's why we're doing these things, right? But understand that we can't do them indefinitely. Indefinitely, we won't. There's an exit here. There's absolute optimism and hope. This is not the world-ending catastrophe that the media loves to make it seem like it is because it keeps the media, the, the media is doing a killing in this, you guys. And all the talking heads are crushing the game right now. I know, I know because my own platform has seen traffic go through the roof because of COVID. So I'm a beneficiary of this and I'm telling you, tune it out. <laughs> Just turn it off now, all right? So that being said, do me a favor, go to our website, zdogmd.com. There's all kinds of videos on COVID. You can see kind of the arc of my thinking on the thing. It's kind of come full circle actually. Check out our funnier stuff, check out the music videos, join the supporter tribe if you wanna support. I see a lot of our supporters here um, sending stars and doing wonderful things to support our show during this time when we have tried to keep our staff on payroll, right? Uh, even though you know our major source of revenue is speaking engagements and they're all canceled, but still because of your support, we're able to keep doing what we do. So thank you so much. Um, mad love to everybody out there on the front lines, uh, especially my wife who goes in to work every day and uh, comes home and is trying to give us COVID, but I'm hoping to take one for the team. And uh, stay safe out there. I love you guys, and we out. Now I do this awkward walk of shame where I walk over to the computer and press the off button. You guys wanna come with me? All right, here we go. We are the champions, my friend. Bye-bye, fam, we out. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.